0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: As we prepare to turn the page on 2019 NFL teams... Turn the page from head coaches and executives. It's New Year's Eve Eve. It is Black Monday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire in 2020. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, Ross Tucker's home, jacked up in Pennsylvania, getting ready for New Year's Eve because I know You wait all year long to get on your 2020 glasses and hat and pop the champagne, or are you asleep by like 9.30 on New Year's Eve, Ross Tucker? Uh, You know what? I'm kind of a happy medium there, (laughs) Dave. Uh,
2: I'm certainly not what I was in my younger days, although, I don't know, on some level, I always felt like there was like, Too much pressure, conversation, you know, put on New Year's Eve. It's like, I mean, this is what I do every Friday and Saturday night. Why are we making a big deal about this? (laughs) Um, Although I will say this, Dave, I am not typically a late night guy. I am and always have been more of a let's get started early. I would like to have that first beverage shortly after 5 p.m., if not earlier. And I'm usually pretty good by about 10. I like to go to bed. I'm a morning guy. I'm not a late night guy. So sometimes there have been years for New Year's Eve where I've struggled to even be able to make it till midnight. Uh, More recently now we do like a family thing and our kids are involved. And and I think it's like eight o'clock or nine o'clock. They make it seem like it's Uh, midnight at the place we go to and we're like oh happy new year but it's still three hours until new year's eve so i don't know i don't uh i don't think i've made it to midnight the last couple years become more of a family thing which is great
1: damn bro you are sounding old to me don't get me wrong i believe new year's eve is The 2019 Cleveland Browns of holidays, the most overrated easily. You get all these expectations up. You get so excited. You try to make big plans. And you're just sitting there like, what am I going to watch? Cursing daily? Or am I going to just turn on a movie, try to kid fool the kids with YouTube at 11 o'clock? We always make a big deal of it. The kids do everything in their power to stay up till midnight. We jack them full of the uh, the seltzer, the fake champagne. But I have to lower the bar, lower the expectations. As long as I'm with some good friends, uh, I'm happy. But I rarely, if ever, go to sleep before the official countdown. I still feel like it's something I have to mark that that a year, or in this case, a decade has gone by. But very, very overrated. I am disappointed in you that you're not even going to attempt to stay up to do that little countdown with your wife have a kiss, and have a glass of champagne. Come on, Ross. You can do it. No, you know what? We do that at like 8 or 9. So typically we've
2: gone uh, with some friends to a, a country club around here. And it's great. You know, Everybody brings their kids. Not everybody, but a bunch of people bring their kids. And I spend most of the night dancing with my daughters on the dance floor, talking like 6 to 8.30. And then I think it's 9 o'clock. They do a countdown and they, they release these balloons and hug and celebrate with my daughters, do the same with my wife. I and mean, then it's really funny because it's crazy. We usually are the last people there, Dave, and we're there for like 10. Most of the other people, after they do the <laughs> countdown at nine, they are out of there within five minutes of doing the countdown and, oh, it's, it's fake midnight they are out of there. Not us. I'm staying until it's really over. But then you get home and it's like 10, 15. And you're like, "What? why would we stay up till, till midnight at this point? To, to Because that's the actual time when we just did the hug and kiss. And I'm so thankful for you. Having, oh, let's make it a great year. Blah, blah, blah. Like It's like doing it twice. It doesn't make sense.
1: Man, you're kind of swaying me. I might have to crash by about 9.30 or 10 now. Although when you have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old, you have no chance. I know they're staying up, so there's very little chance I'm going to be able to go to bed. Uh, I I listened to WEEI this morning in Boston. You can do that any day on the Radio.com app. And the host there on the Greg Hill Show this morning, they said New Year's Eve is ruined because of what they believe and I agree, is the worst regular season loss in the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady era. With that in mind, we're counting down our own little countdown ahead of New Year's Eve from 10 to 1, 10 significant stories from Week 17 in the NFL, with, of course, analysis from Ross Tucker, but let me count them down quickly. 10 losses for the Browns, 9 wins for the Eagles, 8 Wins and losses for the Bears. Seven games the Chiefs' defense has forced multiple turnovers. Six hundred-yard games for Derrick Henry, the rushing champ. Five thousand yards passing for Jameis Winston. Four losses for the Patriots. This one a heartbreaker. Three players in NFL history with a thousand yards receiving, thousand yards rushing, single season, now that Christian McCaffrey accomplished the feat. Two straight weeks aaron jones has made a huge play in the fourth quarter to secure a packers win and one yard short of an nfc west title for the seahawks happy new year have your kiss ross tucker's already asleep all right 10 uh freddie kitchens is out after 10 losses he left them no choice after getting punched in the face by the worst team in the NFL, the Bengals. The question I have to you is, do the problems, does the dysfunction in that organization go much higher than the head coaching position? And what type of guy do you want to succeed Kitchens now that it appears Ron Rivera will be off the market?
2: Yeah, of course, as we're talking and doing the show here on Monday morning, a lot of reports out there that Ron Rivera is going to be the next head coach of the Washington Redskins who have moved on from Bruce Allen. A lot of people very happy about that. Bruce Allen was kind of uh, the, the Wicked Witch of the West in terms of Redskins fans. They wanted him gone. It's funny, Dave, just as an aside, there's a lot of similarities between how Cowboys fans feel about Jason Garrett after 10 years and how Redskins fans feel about Bruce Allen. People just get sick of people. You know what I mean? You ever know? Like, we just, unless they're having tremendous success, the person that's been there the longest is the person that's going to get the most venom. And for the Redskins, Bruce Allen. For the Cowboys, it's Jason Garrett. I'll just say, I think Bruce Allen, that trade he made a year ago for Alex Smith and then under contract for $23.5 million a year until 2023. If you think about it, Dave, that was actually a sweet trade by Bruce Allen. Now, Alex Smith got hurt. Everything went downhill, such as life in the NFL. But that was actually an unbelievable trade. Um, for the Browns, I don't have a lot of faith uh, that they're going to hire the right guy. I would want them to hire a proven commodity like a Ron Rivera or a Mike McCarthy that, you know, has some pelts on the wall that I believe would command the respect of the players. I think maybe even Urban Meyer would, but even some of those guys I think are going to think in their head. He's a college guy. Yeah, I don't know how Odell Beckham Jr. Jarvis Landry Baker Mayfield would take to urban Meyer or any of the potential college guys. So I would have rather seen Ron Rivera. I thought he was perfect. In terms of a culture guy, Mike McCarthy's probably the next best option. It is interesting, though, you know, you already hear and some reports that Matt Rule would not be interested in that job. That says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, that, you know, Matt Rule is probably going to interview for Carolina, the Giants if that opens up, maybe the Cowboys, yet he's supposedly already ruled out the Browns. And I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, you think about – the personalities they have in the locker room. You think about the fact that Jimmy Haslam doesn't know what he wants and he's constantly tinkering and firing and removing and stuff. That wouldn't be where I would want to go if I think I'm only going to get one shot as a head coach. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, it's a dysfunctional situation. I don't know that I'd want to take that job either if I had options. That's the 12th coach they've hired since coming back in 1999. It's the fourth. Full-time head coach in eight seasons under Haslam. Six if you include interims. So, yeah, you're going to want a stable position. I do believe Rivera would have been the great coach. He'll be gone in all likelihood. Urban Meyer would be my guy there. But a dysfunctional situation to say the least. Nine. Nine Eagles wins. They win the division, claiming the NFC East, and they will host a playoff game against Seattle Sunday evening. Is this team a contender?
2: No, they're not. I mean, now, I, I, I wouldn't put it past them at this point to be able to beat a team like the Seahawks on Sunday in the wild card round the way they've been playing as of late. But I I just cannot envision, especially after they lose Brandon Brooks, who's been their best offensive lineman this year. He dislocates his shoulder on Sunday against the Giants. And Miles Sanders, who was legitimately, Dave, like the last major contributor standing. They had lost their top three receivers, really top four. They had lost their top tight end in Zach Ertz. They're starting running back in Jordan Howard. Miles Sanders was kind of their their guy they had left. And now he couldn't finish the game against the Giants. And, you know, when it's that bad that a guy can't come back in the game, I don't know if he's going to be ready with a bad ankle to play against the Seahawks. So it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, I, I tweeted yesterday, Dave, at Ross Tucker NFL. You are at Dave Briggs TV the show at RDC home and home that I think the Eagles must have had the best practice squad in NFL history this year because all these guys are out there making plays, Perkins, and of course, Boston Scott spin moves on nobody and Greg Ward. It's crazy. I mean, Carson Wentz has proven himself over the last month that he is an elite quarterback because he has elevated the play of all of these guys around him, and won a championship for a team that there's no, I've never seen a team have this many injuries. I've never seen a team have this many practice squad guys out there. And you just think about, Dave, the dichotomy between the Eagles and the Cowboys. The Cowboys have all their stars. Amari Cooper, and Dak Prescott, and Zeke Elliott, and even Jason Witten, a star, and a Hall of Famer, and, all these guys and yet and they're healthy. Yeah. And and yet they can't win this division and Carson Wentz and the nobodies do. I mean it's almost almost reminds you of the two cities on some level. It's it's crazy. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I think when you look at Dallas, how different the contract situation looks now than it did in the beginning of the season. I don't believe Dak Prescott has earned a long-term contract. I think you have to slap him with the tag, the way he played in big games. The other big contract that's out there, Amari Cooper, I don't think he has earned one either, crashing down the stretch. And it became clear yesterday afternoon, Michael Gallup is the most I'm going to say it. I think he's the most talented wide receiver on that roster. He also appears to be the guy Dak is so comfortable with. He made a catch yesterday against Washington that was one of the catches of the year. It was phenomenal. That ceiling is endless. As for Philly, we had them at nine on nine wins. Also, nine lost starters to injury. That speaks to what Carson Wentz has accomplished more impressive than what he did in 2017 in which he was a dominant quarterback in the league. So let's listen to how this all sounded on WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia. I'm watching a game and all of a
0: sudden I stopped cheering in my mind I'm starting to, I'm getting ready to cry.
2: Yep.
0: I'm getting ready to cry because I see the injury at the injury and I said oh my gosh lord I forgot where I was at, everything, my mind just went to the guys. And I said, Lord, come on, Father, please let these guys, and I'm praying in my head. And I just hear my cousin Cece saying, surely we are gonna win, the Eagles gonna win. And I just looked at her I had a blank stare in my face. She like, don't give up cuz we gonna win. And it, it got me out of, it. I was like, huh? I said, yeah, 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 we gonna win, we gonna win. And I'm saying to myself, I said, thank you. I thought I was about to start crying. It's a great way to enter the, I believe a great way to enter the playoffs. And I think a great opponent for them to have coming in. I mean, if you could hand to me, if you you look at a Seattle team with you get when you're bringing Skittles back, man, you got issues on on what's going on there. And you you've got you've got a team that kind of unraveled at the end. I mean, they they've been so on the on the bubble in their wins anyway when they won it wasn't like they were they were absolutely trashing anybody well you know i'm just like i'm so into the eagles you know it's not funny nobody's going to come into the link and beat us they got no shot nobody baltimore new england uh, you, won't get, you won't get baltimore here gary <laughs> if they play in baltimore it's gonna be in the super bowl it ain't, it's not gonna be here at the lake yeah i know that yeah I think we kind of lucked out. We got Seattle, uh, but Frisco didn't scare me either. Yeah,
1: I, you look. Yeah, I, I, I'll
0: I, take any of them West Coast teams. Come on, come on, bring it. <laughs> bring it over to the East Coast. Gary, you're feeling good, man. You got that chest puffed out, huh? You're oh, feeling good. Uh, yo, my brother, it's, it, it's pumped out big time, baby. <laughs> the Eagles
1: don't play, you know, you know. Let's rip down the link and play in the bet, baby, yeah, on man. the ash, on the asphalt that's how it sounded on sports radio WIP in Philadelphia what a classic hardworking practice squad mentality type team Philly has in the postseason congratulations to them that station always available WIP on the radio.com app number eight eight wins eight losses. For the Chicago Bears taking a big step back, a team that Ross had Super Bowl expectations given what the defense accomplished a year ago. But wow, there is no optimism in Chicago and it's centered around the quarterback. Can Matt Nagy go into next season with Mitch Trubisky as the presumptive starter without anybody to challenge him on that roster? I don't
2: think so. I I think they're going to have to bring somebody else in. I don't know who that other person is, but you got to give yourself another option. And there are going to be some guys that are available. There should be competition. There should be another option. And just like I thought the Bears would take a step back this year, I actually think Uh, that they're probably in better shape for next year than people realize. I think they'll get better at the quarterback position, either Trubisky or whoever else they put in. And they were never going to have as many turnovers on defense as they had two years ago. Eight and eight's not terrible. Disappointing. But to be honest with you, Dave, on some level, it's about where I thought the Bears would be this year.
1: Disappointment in Chicago. All right. Not the situation in Kansas City. Seven. Seven games the chief defense has forced multiple turnovers. And with the gift from New England, they are the two seed. They get a bye. They get to rest. Damian Williams is cranking 84-yard touchdown run yesterday. One of the highlights of my day was watching Tyreek Hill again catch up to him from behind. They need to just tell Tyreek when he catches the ball, pretend you're chasing Damian Williams. It is a sight to see. Patrick Mahomes didn't do much yesterday in the win over the Chargers. Didn't have to. Why are so many overlooking the Chiefs? Because they lost several
2: games in the middle of the year after Mahomes went down and because their defense was terrible earlier in the year. But, you know, I do power rankings every week, Dave. They're number two in my power rankings. I I think they're as good as anybody. I think it's going to be Ravens-Chiefs-AFC championship game. And I think that game is going to be epic. And it might be the start, by the way, Of a bunch of Chiefs-Ravens AFC Championship games. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson could become the new Peyton Manning-Tom Brady. Now, that's a big leap. Let's see if they can be consistent. That's the hardest part. But the potential for that is certainly there.
1: Interesting. I still think the Saints are a better team. I still think San Francisco is a better team. I'm not entirely convinced they can run the football when they have to. but. Boy, are they fun to watch and sign me up for Baltimore Kansas City AFC Championship game. On to number six, six 100 yard games for the rushing champ, Derrick Henry, who, by the way, doubled that and went off. 211 yards and three touchdowns, 1540 on the season to go with 16 rushing touchdowns. This dude is a freak of nature. 6'3, 247. Is this the type of guy, exactly the kind of guy, the New England Patriots don't want to see to start the postseason in New England this weekend?
2: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. We'll talk about it later in the week, but, but all of these playoff games, I think the road team has a pretty good chance. Titans are playing very well. That rookie wide receiver, A.J. Brown, is a stud. They are running it well with Henry. And it's, it's kind of fun when you see a sixth seed like the Titans that has some momentum and you think has a chance to make some noise and, and make some plays, and Derrick Henry
1: deserves it. Patriots, a four-and-a-half-point favorite would not surprise anyone if Ryan Tannehill and given the coach, Mike Vrabel, who knows Belichick's tendencies so well, can go there and win a football game and punch them in the face. We've seen guys that have worked under Belichick or played under him have success. Matt Patricia, several other guys come to mind. That is going to be a fascinating football game. To number five, 5,000 passing yards for Jameis Winston. One of the most interesting roller coaster rides we've ever taken at the quarterback position. One of eight guys all time with 5,000 yards passing in a single season. The names are Brady and Breeze and Stafford and Mahomes and Manning and Marino and Rothisberger. That's incredible. But he's also, of course, Ross, the only player to ever enter the 30 30 club 30 touchdowns, 30 picks, and on top of it, broke the record for pick sixes in a single season. With a season ending seventh. There have been reports that he wants 30 million a year. Of course he does. Any starting quarterback wants that. Would you give it to him? No,
2: I would not. Um, I would not give that to him. I don't think he would get that from anywhere else. I think you try to give him coming back on a one year deal. Again, we'll see what his other options are. You know, maybe he's somebody Matt Nagy wants to take a swing at. I don't know. I think it's really going to be a situation where if you're Jameis Winston, do you go for the money or do you go back to Tampa if they want you for with Bruce Arians again and those receivers? Because he could have an awesome year. If I'm him, Dave, I'd probably take a one-year deal and kill it next year. Just don't throw as many turnovers if he can help it. But with those receivers, those weapons, another year in Aryan system, then he could hit the market and get $40 million a year if he had that kind of year. Uh, I will say this, Dave. I don't really root for guys to perform poorly. I think that's poor form. Why would I do that? But I was rooting for him to throw a pick. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I wanted to see history. I wanted to see the first 30-30 man. And I don't know that I've ever seen – a walk-off ending to a season as appropriate as that. I mean, that was, like, if that was a movie, you'd be like, come on, man. Really? A pick six to end the season for his 30th interception? No. But that's exactly what
1: happened. You nailed it, man. I mean, that is the Disney flick that you're like, come on, man. You got to at least try to make it a creative, interesting twist and turn at the end. Not exactly how we all would have drawn it up. Look, guys don't go changing at this point in life for all sorts of different reasons. He's not going to change who he is. I would love it if he'd learned to throw the ball away, pull an Aaron Rodgers on occasion and make smarter decisions. He's not going to. He is fascinating. Certainly, I agree with you. One-year deal. I can't imagine any team wanting to commit to that long-term, given the wild, but wildly entertaining ride we've taken. The number four. Four losses for the New England Patriots. But this one, this one is the most devastating loss in the regular season, in the Brady and Belichick era. Remember, Earlier this season, we were talking about a tanking Dolphins team, one of the worst in NFL history, and also talking about the potential for the Patriots to go undefeated. They blew out Miami 43-0 in week two. They were 8-0, and then they finished 4-4. What to you was the most devastating thing that happened yesterday? To me, 13 plays, 75 yards, Dolphins march the ball right down the boogeyman's throat and score a game-winning touchdown in New England. For me, it was simply
2: that their best players are the ones that let them down. Tom Brady threw a horrendous pick six. Stephon Gilmore could not cover Devontae Parker to save his life. And we'll talk more about it later, Dave. Uh, because there's a lot to get to there but I, I think it's very possible this is the end of an era uh, I give them almost no chance to go to the Super Bowl now I would give them some chance if they have the number two seed number three seed I, I would be stunned if they got back to the Super Bowl
1: I agree call
2: from mom answer it call silenced
3: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit
1: stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. agree With you, It felt like the end came so suddenly yesterday. Tom Brady does pass Peyton Manning second all time in touchdown passes. We will talk about it with Christian Fourier. What happened to close out the end of the first half and a lack of urgency Like we've never seen under Brady and Belichick a devastating, heartbreaking loss. Let's hear from the voices of WEEI Sports Radio in Boston on the devastation. It does not
0: get any uglier than what we just witnessed here for the last three hours. The New England Patriots with an opportunity to lock up the number two seed to get the first week off. And to get to play at home, at least for one game, end up screwing it all up today and losing to the Dolphins, 27-24. to 24, And they will be playing football next weekend right here at Gillette Stadium. In the first weekend, the last thing they needed right now.
3: Some of us believe it may have been the worst loss in the history of Gillette Stadium. Tom Brady got the lead. Yes. With that defense,
2: that you, game you, should you have been over. Was, Against
0: yeah. the Miami Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he bitch-slapped Stephon Gilmore and the Patriots defense. I'm calling it the instead of the Miami Miracle we have the Gillette gag job. Um, The Patriots choked in this game. Let let me give you a a number that is mind-boggling but will tell you how significant and big this upset was here today. Tom Brady over the years in uh, games against AFC opponents here at Gillette Stadium, with teams that end up with losing records, Miami's got five wins now, they have a losing record for the season. Coming into this game, he was 61-0. and 61-0. 61-1 right now.
3: Not calling a timeout with a minute and 42 left, holding three timeouts was a mistake.
0: It was, and it is. And I don't want to hear the contrary. Let's get to the locker room. We're we'll getting possession in the second half. That's BS.
3: But don't ask Belichick or Brady about it in an hour because we're not going to talk about it. Brady's going to deflect it like
0: uh, a Truca Rasp puck. All right? <laughs> don't even ask him because we won't talk about it. But it, that was a mistake. Secondly, Brady's elbow is injured. 100%. I agree. That pick six was so flat. I can throw the ball better than that. Are you kidding me? That they had next week off with this defense and the way they played, they had a chance. I think they just took themselves out of it. We know the history. When they do get that buy, they have great success.
1: When they don't, they have no No success. success. Sports Radio, WEEI in Boston. For more on the most devastating regular season loss in the Brady-Belichick era, Let's check in with our friend Christian Fourier, WEEI Sports Radio, former Patriots tight end, the Super Bowl champ. Christian, good to talk to you, my friend. It's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Was that to you the worst regular season loss in the Brady-Belichick era? Uh,
3: You know what? Um, I'm sure there's another one that's probably comparable, but I can't remember it. When you think about what's on the line, when you think about the fact that they are playing at home, a first-round bye was on the line, um, and they were playing against the Dolphins, and also they had been talking about how this was a playoff game and how important it was, and blah, blah, blah. Coming off one of their best performances of the year, two really good games against Cincinnati, call it what it is, but then a home game, great game against the Buffalo Bills, and then to just to throw that stinker out there, I mean, to me, I was, I'm was so angry and agitated and just really pissed off at the, just this lack of urgency, the just, I mean, there was just nothing that resembled a football team. It was flat out pathetic. If i mean, the more I talk about the more irritated I get by it, how they just, you know, the dolphins are the dolphins and they beat them 43, nothing. And they just killed them the last time they played them and the dolphins rolled out there and they just had their way with the Patriots. I mean, I, I was watching the last play, the, you know, Brian Fitzpatrick is marching, marching the team down the field, and I was just about to go on air. I was like, you know, I don't feel good about this at all because they had never really felt like, for me, like they took control of the game, like they, like, they handled it, right? And they were, they were controlling it, and they had just, you know, put their stamp on it. I just knew they were going to score, and they didn't leave themselves enough time to answer. So here they are. And it was already hard enough as it was. It wasn't like they were like a good team. Their record is good, but they're not a good team. They got a great defense, but they have been carrying them the whole season and they didn't get any help. And here they are, and they deserve it. They're stuck in this crazy situation playing against a team that knows them and is not afraid of them and wants to just physically beat their heads in. So, here you go. Congratulations.
2: I'm I'm curious, Christian, as to what aspect of it was most disappointing or surprising to you. You know, for me, you know the brady pick six was terrible and stefan gilmore got owned by Devontae parker it's kind of like christian their best guys are the ones that let them down
3: you're right you're right and um and the whole so i'll start with brady brady's been struggling all year for a bunch of different reasons like i'm not going to say brady's falling off a cliff like that it's if there are a bunch of different reasons The offense and him have been struggling, but that throw to Sony, Michelle. I don't know. One was he throwing it to Sony, Michelle? Nobody asked him after the game. Um, And if he was throwing to Sony, why didn't Sony react to it? Um, And if he was throwing it to Sony, Michelle, man, that was a bad pass. You know, a Gilmore situation, they've been leaning on him to take out the best player and he's, he's done an unbelievable job of it. So you can obviously see that, okay, that's not working. Why don't you change? Why didn't you change? Why did you continue to put um, Gilmore in a position to you know, fight for his life knowing that he couldn't? So to me, that was that was a little irritating. You know, nobody could come up with a play. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Your two best players um, played their worst game at the worst possible time. You know, um, I, it's just – it just really is aggravating. It's just because they don't – they can't do this on their own. They can't do it. They need help. They need a buy. They need to get healthy. So not only do they not get a buy, but they're playing early game on Saturday. It's like how how pathetically aggravating is that? Not only did you miss out on a buy, but you have the early game. So you you miss out on a buy and you get one less day to prepare. To me, that's just such a slap in the face. Like I know those guys when they left, they're all saying the right thing, got to move on. But I know they didn't sleep. I know they didn't sleep because they recognize the position that, that they that they find themselves in. And good luck getting through this game. Good luck. I don't I don't know if they can do it.
1: Talking to Christian Fourier, Sports Radio, WEEI, former Super Bowl champ with the Patriots. And I want to get into that Titans matchup in just a minute. But first deflate gate two felt like to me the last couple of minutes of the first half. A couple of minutes left, right about two minutes, the signature situation for the Brady Belichick era three timeouts and they always take that ball march down the field score a late touchdown get it back to start the second they didn't even try Christian they didn't call a timeout they ran the ball and went into the locker room what did you make of that moment
3: well so bill talked about it after the game and you know what I don't you can't really get anything out he's like well we we didn't get a first down so okay but it looked like you were trying to get a first down when I think, when I see, when I look back at it, okay, they have a minus two. Uh, they get take a loss of two yards on the first play. So that automatically puts them at second and 12. Then they get seven yards. Now they're at third and five. So in my head, I'm like, well, they kind of recognize that it just wasn't really going for them. And I think instead of making a bad situation, worse, I, I honestly felt like they just ate, ate it and just said, screw it. You know, we'll get the ball back in the second half. And we'll regroup and we'll march down the field like they usually do. So I think they kind of conceded. I think that was a kind of a sign that well, we don't believe in our team. That that's what I saw. I don't believe in my team because they haven't. They weren't able to do anything. So screw it. Let's just eat it. Let's regroup. We'll come back. Well, sure enough, they come back and it's three and <laughs> out. So what was? It didn't do them any good. They they didn't benefit from that at all. But that's been all year, guys. that, that is not that. I mean, people are probably looking at that and going, wow, What that, that's, that shows something. They've been doing that all year. They just can't sustain any, you know, drives without penalties, without uh, a trick play, you know, without some sort of, you know, help from something, you know. It's, it's been hard for them to generate yards and production on their own offensively or without, you know, favorable field position that the defense gave them right, um, or, uh, or you know, some sort of crazy penalty or bad coaching decision by the other team. That's been the theme all year. It's not just – it's not new.
2: You know, Christian, I, I was up there for the Buffalo game, and that was the first time all year I thought, you know what? They could do it again. They're running the ball well. They're winning up front both sides of the ball. I like what they're doing with Burkhead and James White in the back – like, they could win a home playoff game and then maybe go to Baltimore and win. Like, they could do it. Now, I give them no chance. I think they have no hope. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Titans beat them. Am I being too rough or do you see it the same way?
3: Uh, no, I see it exactly the same way. I think you're – I mean, the thing – I think I think you're a good, um, you know, candidate to kind of – because you're, you're not – like living here you're not breathing it every day so you're not you know affected delusion you're not delusional a lot of people here are delusional no 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 like the signs have been there all year and i'm with you like last week i was like i was happy i was like wow they okay they can do it tough physical game grinding it out everybody played good you know two good uh you know teams uh both playing for a lot Brady speaking before the game. I mean, yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, back to reality. Tennessee has everything going for them that they can't combat. Right. They have a tough physical running attack. They got two different backs. They have a coaching staff that understands them. They have a coach that personally is just wants to stick it to him. And the players want to stick it to the pay- Patriots for him. I and mean, it's like the worst case scenario for them. Um, You know, and they just, and, and, and they just haven't shown any consistency, none, zero. So, okay, let's take Edelman out who get who they, so they double Edelman yesterday. He gets like one catch or I don't know how many times they target him. Who else is a threat? They don't have a threat offensively other than the running game. So they can't move the ball. Nothing's working. So they say, let's, let's just keep running it. And they have success there, but it's the dolphins. So you should, you know, um, I don't feel good about it at all. I would not be surprised at all if Tennessee comes in here and just thumps them, just thumps them a big dose of Henry, a little dose of of whoever else they want a mobile quarterback who can throw that's had a lot of success against this team. When he was with the Dolphins, go look at Tannehill's numbers against the Patriots. He's always had good games. He's not afraid of them. He's he's confident when he plays against the Patriots and he's, and he's on a contract year. I mean, come on, this is, I would not be, I don't feel good about this at all, period.
1: I don't think you should. Mike Vrabel knows that team, knows the situation, knows what to look out for, the tendencies. Derrick Henry is a matchup nightmare, is a freak of nature. Does it feel like it's over? We've all said this far too many times and been proven wrong by Brady and by Belichick. That was different yesterday. This was one of the worst teams in the league several weeks ago. Historically bad. Does it feel like finality.
3: I'll say this though. They beat, that same team beat Philly. Okay. Philly went down to Miami and they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. There's now the NFC uh, East representative. So I would say that Brian Flores did an excellent job of keeping his team in tune, keeping them fighting, regardless of the situation. He had his team ready. I Give him credit for that. Um, so maybe they're not nearly as bad as we thought. Uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, did his thing. Shook him down there and had him, but I don't think it's over. I think they're missing on, they're missing some players. Like if Antonio Brown was on the scene, I think it's a totally different look. I mean, they just, Sanu is, is a, is a disappointment. Um, Harry, Nikhil Hare, their first round pick is just a slow developing type of guy. They don't trust him. So they give him gimmick plays and easy spot plays, you know, and physical plays like back shoulder throws where he doesn't the routes don't adjust. He just kind of has to beat the, the guy physically beat the guy. Um, the running and the offensive line has been up and down. So it's been that way all year. But I think next year they will bring in a tight end. They'll draft a tight end. They'll, Hare will have another year. Edelman will be, a little, will be on probably his last year. um And they'll bring more guys in. No, I don't think it's done. No, and Brady's playing. He's already said he's playing. But the question is, it's like, will it be here? <laughs> I guess is the point because there's going to be some static with his contract and what they're willing to pay and what Brady's willing to accept. I, that to me is going to be the offseason storyline.
2: Well, that was going to be my last question, Christian, is just, uh, Give me a percentage chance that you think Tom Brady is the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots next season.
3: Okay, I'm not going to give you a percentage because I don't think it's that simple. But I do think um, uh, because I think the biggest question is okay, um, are the Patriots willing to go all in to keep him? And is Brady willing to walk? Based on the lowball offer that they're going to give him, so he's making twenty three million this year. Are they going to give him a raise after this year? Because I think he wants a raise. If they lowball him, I think he walks. I one hundred percent think he walks because there's going to be, you know, if you're playing chicken, I think Brady's in a position to say screw it. Like you're leaving me no option. So if you're if you're if you want him to stay, you got to come in hard and strong. And you got to give him a Drew Brees deal, like a fifty million type of deal, something like that. You commit to him for two years. He's earned it. He deserves it. Uh, but if you come at him with like some crap where it's like incentive laden and making him earn it, I one hundred percent says he says screw it, bye. Because Josh McDaniels looks like he's going to be a head coach somewhere, so take him with him.
1: You you seem to be leaning towards Brady is elsewhere. Would he go play somewhere else or call it a day?
3: He's not calling it a day. I think he plays someplace else. And I and I every time somebody like has this disbelief response, I say Joe Montana, his childhood hero. I mean, left, Brett Favre, left, Peyton Manning, left. They all played on different teams, all of them. So my, uh, Marino did not Other guys did it. But most of the, most of the guys you look through history, they keep playing. So I don't think it's. Um, They've, none of them, I mean, the closest comp is, is Joe Montana with four Super Bowls. But I don't, guys, I do not think it's out of the question. And I do think there is this intrigue, curiosity factor with Brady playing someplace else. That's just, he's never been a free agent before. He's never been recruited. He's never been wined and dined. Like, the last time he was wined and dined was when he was in high school. I mean, he we went to Michigan. That was the last time somebody, like, had to woo him. You know, so I think there's some interest there.
1: Mm, he's the goat. I just don't know. Do you wind and down a guy that, that performed that way uh, in particular down the stretch? It will be a fascinating uh, off season. I think I
3: was better years. Like I I, I I, personally have watched every single game. I watched it over and over again. And I know the offense. I know where he's supposed to go with the ball. I know how he's how many plays that he saves and how pathetically bad some of these guys have been to me. He's had one of his top – I'll call it definitely some of his – one of his best years. It doesn't look that way, and he's playing hurt. I know that for a fact. It's affected his throwing motion, and he's dealing with just a bunch of babies who have no clue what they're doing. And I don't think he's anywhere near done. I think if he plays again with better circumstances, I mean, he lights up the toe board.
1: Intriguing off season for TB12. Final question: How are you celebrating New Year's Eve? Are you the Ross Tucker type that might crash by about nine thirty? Are you sticking it out just to say you did the the countdown, had the champagne, and and all the the you know the happy New Year wishes at midnight? How are you going down?
3: I'm in bed. I'm 100. percent It's the most overrated night of the year. Can we all agree to that? Like the expectations are never met you just, it's it's never, it's never what you think it should be. It's like, it's always a letdown.
1: Every year. I completely agree with you, but I always stay up. Part of it is two young kids always make me stay up. Happy new year, my friend. Appreciate the time and enjoy the Titans game.
3: All right, guys. Talk to you later.
1: All right. That's Christian Fourier, sports radio, W-E-E-I in Boston. Uh, doesn't sound very confident, Ross, ahead of this Titans matchup. No, and I
2: I don't think he should. I don't either. I mean, now it would be Patriots-esque after they play that poorly to bounce back the next week. I was very impressed with how they played against the Bills, but Titans are pretty good, man. They got some legit dudes. They're not afraid. What was it, last year they beat them? I mean, and now they got Tannehill, a quarterback. I think the game's going to be awesome. I actually think we're going to get – Four different awesome games this weekend. I'm I'm feeling pretty good
1: about all of them. We're almost all the way through our countdown 2019 Week 17 in the NFL. The top three before we say Happy New Year after a quick break. But first,
2: ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there. Of course they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address: ZipRecruiter.com/enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com/enter. ZipRecruiter.com/enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. everybody it's ross tucker thanks for listening to the home and home podcast remember you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com